Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. It is day one of the Australian Open, so we will be bringing you a roundup of the results so far and our predictions for the tournaments. Uh, and we'll do that just after we talk about Dan Evans winning his maiden title on the ATP Tour, a brilliant moment for British tennis. Uh, joining me, as always, is Marcus Ali. Marcus, how are you doing on this, this cold morning? I'm buzzing, mate. Um, we, we've had to listen. Um, we've had to. We've had to wait for a lot longer than we usually do. It feels like the Australian Open comes straight round the corner at the start of the season, but um, obviously this year, for more complicated reasons that we'd like to indulge in, we've had to wait a little bit longer. But no, I'm, I'm really excited. The first day of the Slam. It's like the first day of the football season. You know, the Australian Open really kicking off the season properly. Um, and obviously, we've seen some good matches already. And I'm yeah looking forward to getting up early and indulging plenty of time into watching some, hopefully, some great matches. So, yes, uh, we'll start off with the main news for British tennis, especially uh, Dan Evans winning the Murray River Open. Uh, he came up against the youngster Felix Auger-Aliassime, who has now lost in seven finals on the ATP World Tour. He's only 20 years old, uh, but not a great start for him. And Evans won it quite comfortably, 6-2, 6-3. I caught the end of this match. It was on very early on the mo- in the morning. Um, but a, a brilliant win for Dan Evans, who has been playing fantastic tennis since the beginning of January. If it wasn't for the COVID suspension and changing the rankings, I'd have no doubt really that he would be a, a top 20 player by now. And now I think, I, I don't know the updated rankings this morning, but I'm expecting he's just made it into the top 30 uh, after that win. Brilliant title for him. Uh, Marcus, what's your, your main reaction to Evans winning his, his first title? Um, definitely one of, of happiness I'm definitely happy that, that he's done that you know at the age of 30 one of the older title winners will probably see or maiden title winners definitely that we'll probably see this year he's definitely earned it over the last couple of years since he came back from that two-year ban or one-year ban I can't remember how how long it was maybe three about three years ago he's really gone gone from strength to strength and picked up where he left off before that ban um you know he's, he's really reaching his peak now hopefully he can carry on in, in, into his early 30s and he thoroughly deserves it. He's had a great week. And yeah, I've got to hold my hands up a little bit. I thought that Felix would would edge the match in a third set. And it's straightforward sets for Evans, 6-2, 6-3. Um, you know, maybe both players have one eye on on the Grand Slam, but you can't take that away from Evans. It's a, it's a title. It's a 250 title. And it's definitely something for him to build on. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that he's been able to get it out of the way in one of the first tournaments of the year. Um, you know, to save maybe some some jitters if he is to get to the to the closing exchanges of, of tournaments of this rank, which I expect him to do consistently this year. So yeah, it's a, it's a massive achievement for him. Um, it'll definitely be something he maybe appreciates more when he looks back on his career rather than now. Um, maybe he's too tied down in it and uh, obsessing in the in the, in the very um, busy calendar that we've got, particularly this month. Um, but yeah, it's an outstanding achievement. Um, good to see a Brit win a title. Obviously, we haven't seen too much of that very recently on the ATP Tour. Um, and yeah, hopefully the first of many. Yeah, I believe the first British title won on the ATP Tour since Kyle Edmund won 
the New York Open, I believe that was last February, so um, about a year ago, uh, a year waiting for a British title on the ATP Tour. And as you say, they both probably have one eye on this week, uh, both of them in their post-match interviews really gave that away to be honest that even Felix who's lost his seventh final he didn't even seem that hung up on it to be honest he just seemed he was talking more about next week and going into the Australian Open um, and as we go on to the Australian Open now uh, Felix has actually cruised past uh, cruised through his first round uh, against the German Stebe uh, so I think really, you know, it is a seventh final loss for Felix Auger-Aliassime, but um, I don't think he's going to be as hung up on it as he has been on other finals. Um, just quickly, before the Australian Open, uh, there was another final yesterday. Yannick Sinner won his second consecutive title. Uh, he won one right at the end of last year. Uh, he defeated Stefano Travaglia, the unlikely player, to be honest, to reach the final. I don't think any of us really expected it. Sinner won the first set in a tiebreak and won the second one 6-4. Uh, and after playing two matches on Friday, a match on Saturday and a match on Sunday, Sinner is currently out in the uh, out playing in the Australian Open right now uh, against uh, Denis Shapovalov. He's a set-up and Friul in the second. Uh, so I'm keenly keeping an eye on that. So... For, for a 19-year-old he's playing is, what would that be? Fifth match in four days, of, I make that. Uh, so if he can get through this against the 11th seed, Shapovalov, that'll be really impressive. Uh, a word on Yannick Sinemarkas? Well, I think at 19, that young age, I could definitely play five tennis matches in four days. You have way more energy when you're that age compared to 22 now. No, I'm joking. I mean, we're running out of superlatives for to describe Yannick Sinner and back-to-back -back titles of course this is the first tournament the first competitive tournament that he played this year the great ocean road open so um he's just shown some really impressive form and, and picked up exactly where he left off last year um i, I was thinking andre rublev i think won that won the most titles on the on as a singles player last year i, can't, I think it might have been five or six in a in a decrease in a decrease schedule yeah so um so that like that was an impressive number but obviously with hopefully a full calendar, Sinner could probably rack up close to 10, if not more, um, on this form, particularly if he keeps playing tournaments at 250 level, because, um, yeah, he walks in as as favourite at, at, at most of those tournaments of that rank. Um, yeah, an impressive week for Trevalia as well, but he's not a player that I expect to see a lot from this year. But no, definitely awesome stuff from Sinner and yeah everyone that predicted him to get into the top 10 this year I'm sure will be encouraged by him, him grabbing that title at the first time of asking. Yeah I think when we talk about Evans, Felix, Orgelio, Seaman, Sinner having one eye on this week I think it's fair to say Travaglia really was putting everything into that tournament because he has already uh, gone out of the Australian Open losing in straight sets. Oh, I believe it was straight sets to Francis Tiafo. Uh, earlier today, the American who has made the quarterfinal of this tournament before. Um, so, yeah, just moving on, uh, putting all our focus onto the Australian Open now. Um, as we said, first day, uh, not really too many upsets at all today. Um, Novak Djokovic has just uh, beaten Jeremy Shardy in the last few minutes, uh, doing it very comfortably, 6-3, 6-1, 6 I saw a stat before the match uh, that... Djokovic leads Shardy 13-0 in their heads-to-heads. And across those 13 games, Shardy has never won a set off Djokovic. 
And that's now 14 matches. Uh, Chardy has faced Djokovic and never got a set to show for it, which, uh, you know, though, though it is Djokovic, that's a very damning statistic for Jeremy Chardy, who's uh, been a great player on tour of, of recent years and, and very consistent. Um, so, yeah, very comfortable for Novak Djokovic in his first round, really giving the impression that he, as the favourite to win this and the number one seed, uh, really giving the impression that nothing's holding him back so far and that he's he's really going to be competing at the top uh, of the draw. Uh, looking down at other results, Dominic Team uh, for in straight sets today against Mikhail Kukushkin. I must confess, when I saw that, um, I did think it was, you know, team does occasionally have uh, tough matches in the beginning of slams. will drop a set where maybe you don't expect him to. And I, I did actually think uh, Kukushkin might give him a bit of a tougher match there. But um, very impressed to see Dominic team uh, getting through that comfortably. Uh, one man who was given a few more problems than uh, he probably would have hoped, though, was Alexander Zverev. Uh, last year, a semi-finalist, I believe. Uh, I think that was his... Uh, first semi-final Grand Slam appearance at that point. Uh, he lost the first set to American Marcos Giron uh, and had to fight back, uh, winning the second one on a tie break, uh, but before getting a bit more comfortable in sets three and four. Um, but both team and Zverev through, uh, which is good to see. Yeah, all's well that ends well for Alexander Zverev. I think I do rate Marcus Giron. I think he's a good competitor, 73 in the world and someone who's been on the up in the last year or so. Um, so taking Zverev to two tie breaks in the first couple of sets would have might have been good, might have been good for Zverev. I don't think he's played too much tennis apart from the ATP Cup um, this season. So it be, might be nice to spend a bit more time on court just to get his rhythm going a little bit more. And obviously coming through those last two sets, 6-3, 6-2, gives him enough confidence to take into the next round. Um, and I completely agree with you. Dominic team has struggled. I think we saw him go five sets with Alex Bolt at this tournament last year. Um, and Kukushkin is always a tricky customer. I've seen him take sets off. Definitely I've seen him take sets off Nadal at, at, Grand, at a Grand Slam. I'm not sure about any other big players. But um, to come through that in straight sets is pretty impressive. And yeah, racing through those last two sets, 6-2, 6-3, should give team plenty, plenty left in the tank for the for the second round. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it, it is good to see, although you'd love to see an upset in the early round of a Grand Slam that everyone enjoys watching an upset, I think. At the stage we're at, you know, Djokovic has won this tournament so many times. Uh, you, you do want to see those bigger names getting through to the later rounds because you would like to see Djokovic given a, a real challenge on, on route to the final. I think he's probably done well to avoid, obviously he would avoid Nadal anyway being the second seed, but I do think Medvedev would have been the tougher player to have in his half of the draw out of him and team at three and four. That's controversial to say maybe because team has been fantastic of recent and made the final last year, but um. I do just think overall the the style at the Australian Open does suit Medvedev a little bit more and just the way he ended the year last year, uh, Medvedev, I do think potentially could be a little bit more dangerous. And with the injury problems, we'll, we'll go on to talk about this uh, later on, but with the injury problems that Nadal's got, I think Medvedev could really be looking at a, a good run to the final now. Um, so yeah, just some other results to go through today. 
the other sort of main one that we both picked out, uh, Garmon Feast losing in five sets to the young Finn, uh, Emil Roussevori. Uh, a bit of a thriller of a match, um, but Monfils actually looked was very emotional in his press conference afterwards, uh, looked like he was crying in it, which um, is something I wouldn't normally expect to see from someone like Gar Monfils. So he, he normally seems... You know, he's a very relaxed, chilled out player, um, but he, he looked quite, quite torn up about the, the loss today. It's, he hasn't won a match since February, albeit he hasn't played an awful lot since the first lockdown. I think he only had played uh, four or five matches at the end of last year, but had lost all of them. Uh, and, you know, it's a shame because I think just before COVID, we were seeing the best tennis we'd ever seen from Gael Monfils. He made the top 10. Uh, very, very nearly made the ATP finals last year. And, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's happened, to be honest. He he, he is quite a bit older now. Uh, I haven't got his age to hand, but I'm, I'm assuming he's probably about 32 now, I would say. Um, and it's just interesting that, you know, when he was playing the peak of his tennis before COVID, he's... Uh, really, really just sort of disappeared a little bit. Um, let's not take it away from Rusa Bori at all, though, a player that um, I know you're very fond of, Marcus, and you talked about him uh, quite a bit on the podcast before. He looked quite good at the uh, US Open, I believe it was, uh, last year. I think he had a good run there. Uh, and this obviously being a, a similar uh, style to the US Open with it being on a hard court, he, he might look to, to think that he could have a good run. Yeah, he's definitely a player that I've got written down to kick on this year, Emil Roussevori. Um, as for Gael Monfils, yes, it's a huge shame. He's 34 now, as you said, a couple of years on on your estimate. But I, I feel like having not won a match since February, I feel like coming back after lockdown without the crowd, because he's such an entertainer, I feel like that would affect his motivation so much. And it, um, his form demonstrated that. Um, so maybe just in those months after lockdown, he not gave everyone else a head start, but other players were more hit in form a lot, a lot stronger, a lot quicker than him. And maybe that's, that's setting back a bit at the start of this year as well. Um, it was a match that I expected him to win. Um, despite, despite Bruce Void being impressive. I thought, you know, with fans at the Australian open as well, I thought Monfils could raise his game and, um, yeah, roll back the years, uh, if you like. But um, no, it's a, it's a great win for Rusevorius. It is disappointing for for Monfils. He was he was two sets to, oh no, sorry, well to take it to a decider anyway. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he would have backed himself. But yeah, it's very disappointing. Hopefully, we can we can see him get regather some of the form that he showed towards the the start of 2020 because. Um, I completely agree with you. It was some of the best tennis we've seen. I think he might have gone into gone into the coronavirus lockdown in the top five in the year-to-date rankings. Um, so yeah, it's a shame. Um, but yeah, we've got to, we've got to take nothing away from from Rusevoris. An excellent win from a, a brilliant young player. And um, yeah, at least we won't have the entertainment of Gael Monfils. But it's, it's another player we can look forward to watching in, in the next round. Yeah, for sure. And, and just looking at Rusevori's draw now, uh, he's got a second round match against uh, the Spanish player Pedro Martinez, uh, who defeated Nishioka in four sets today. And then a potential third round match if he was to get there against either Alexander Bublik or Dusan Lajevic. So, 
you know, as further our matches go, I, I don't think they're the, the, the hardest uh, of matches that Rooster could have. So I think he's he's got definitely got a good chance of uh, making it deep and possibly even to the second week of this tournament. So um, I'll, I'll definitely be watching out for him uh, and, and we'll be looking forward to seeing him play because I'm still not actually sure I've seen a, a match with Bruce Savory playing in, even though he's been around for, you know, definitely about half a year at least now, uh, definitely post-pandemic. I remember really noticing his name. Uh, yes, yeah, so just some other results to go through. Um, as I say, not an awful lot of results. Milos Reinich threw in straight sets. Sam Ravrinka threw in straight sets. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov defeating Marin Cilic in straight sets. Um, a little bit of a surprise, though, I would say, uh, is the 21-year-old Quarantine Mute uh, beating John Millman in five sets. Millman has a very impressive record at the Australian Open. Uh, came very close to beating Roger Federer uh, last year. I believe he had match points. I think Marcus can confirm that for me, but I know he uh, came literally within uh, within a fingertip of beating Federer at the, uh, the Australian Open last year. So I was a little bit surprised to see John Millman going out in the first round. But, of course, Mute, an, an impressive 21-year-old. Um, Bernard Tomic also threw after his opponent, Yuchi Sagita, pulled out injured in the third set. Uh, Tomic was... Uh, it was one set all, and Tomic was leading by a break, I believe, in that second set. Uh, and then Ugo Bear is also through. Uh, he will face, uh, in the next round, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, that was the other match we were going to mention uh, Kyrgios coming through 6-4, 6-4, 6-4 against uh, Frederico Silva of Portugal, a player that uh, I can't claim to have heard of before this week. But uh, I watched this match and uh, I must say I was I was impressed by the Portuguese player. His defence was very good. There was one particular game in the first set. Uh, Fe- Frederico Silva was actually leading by a break early in that first set. And it was the game that Kyrgios broke back and it went on for nearly 20 minutes and uh, Kyrgios lost about eight, I think it was eight break points in that game. Uh, some fantastic defence from the Portuguese player. So I think um it'll be interesting to see if he can kick on. He was making his Grand Slam debut today uh, and, and 25 years old, so he's not the oldest, so we'll see. But of course, the main story is uh, Nick Kyrgios uh, through quite unscathed to be honest uh, and as I say he'll face Ugo and Bear in the next round who did drop a set earlier against a Japanese player Uchiyama uh, so that could that's definitely one of the picks already of the second round uh, I think that was about all of the other results I was going to rattle through Marcus do you want a word on on any of them um just quickly on uh, Ugo and Bear I think after um, unfortunately, after picking him to win one of one of the tournaments last week, he went out and lost to James Duckworth. So maybe dropping a set to Uchiyama has been flirting with the top 100 for the last year or so. Um, it's not a not a very impressive win to not do it in straights. However, to set up that delicious second round tie with Nick Kyrgios, that could be something that match. Um, I'd, I'd make Ugo and Bear favourite going into that. Um, however, you know, with the home crowd and if Kyrgios can, well, I mean, he's had enough practice now. He's had, he's had uh, sort of three, three, four minutes. Um, if he can bring his best game, that that really could be an epic. Um, you know, Kyrgios, there could definitely be some long rallies in that. Ugo and Bear not, hasn't got the power of Kyrgios, but he's, he's definitely got better agility and probably better running. Um, so, yeah, that that could be a, probably the, the pick of this, the second round ties for me. 
Yeah, so that's about uh, it so far on the, the men's side. There are two matches still going as we speak, so you might have the results uh, by the time you're listening to this. Shapovalov Sinner has now gone to a third set. It's, uh, well, it would go to third set anyway, being best of five, but uh, it's now one set all. Uh, Shapovalov uh, winning that second one, 6 3. So uh, perhaps uh, the fatigue that Sinner might be faced with could become a bit of a problem going on here because he's going to have to fight for at least what you'd expect would be another a couple of hours at least uh, if he's going to get through this one against Denis Shapovalov. Um, just quickly uh, looking at the women's side of the draw. Uh, again, no real big surprises on the women's side. Uh, normally it is a bit more prone to have some of the early shocks, but um, Naomi Osaka last year's champion, I believe. Um, Serena Williams. Oh, no, sorry. Um, Osaka wasn't last year's Australian champion. Um, but Osaka, Serena Williams, uh, Venus Williams, uh, the French Open champion, Igor Swiatek, uh, Simona Hallett and Petra Kvitova all going through in straight sets. So um, some real big names not really being pushed too far today. So that's uh, good for them and good for the women's draw to see uh, those those bigger names getting through. I think the biggest story from today, uh, the Australian Open, uh, is uh, 20-year-old uh, Andreescu, uh, the women's player who actually won the uh, US Open in 2019. She had a brilliant end to 2019, winning the US Open at the age of 19 years old. It was a brilliant story. However, she wasn't able to play at all during 2020 due to injury problems. Uh, and she played her first match back this morning uh, in over a year. Um, obviously, being a Grand Slam champion at the age of 20, but not having played for over a year, feels a very weird combination of things to say about someone. She battled through in three sets against Romanian Mihaela Buzarescu. Um, so a good win for her. Um, unfortunately for the British hopes, uh, Katie Balter, who has had a fantastic uh, week last week, beating Coco Goff uh, in, in the Australian tournaments, the Melbourne series. Uh, she's lost in straight sets to the Russian player Kazatkina, uh, world number 71. Um, still, although it's disappointing, uh, still ranked a lot higher than Balter, who is outside the world's top 300. Um, so still doing really well to, to be playing at this the, the top still and uh, beating Coco Goff last week. But uh, yeah, a shame for her as she has exited the Australian Open in the first round. Uh, just in this next section, uh, we're going to just talk about our predictions for the Australian Open. Uh, as always, Marcus and I have done uh, predicted draws um, and we're going to just start from, I think, quarterfinals, I believe. Um, I will let Marcus go first, as I've just realised I need to find my draw uh, whilst he is talking. Oh, cracking prep there, mate. Um, just written down in front of me, I've got my four quarterfinals. Um, I feel like I've gone somewhat predictable. Um, I haven't gone for too many controversial picks. So to start off at my top quarterfinal, at the top of the draw, I've got number one seed Novak Djokovic against Sasha Zverev, I think. Zverev having had... a a decent, a decent but troubled end to 2020. Of course, struggling on that second serve so much, but I feel like he can, he can make his way at least to the last eight in this tournament. 
Then the second semi-final, I've got Dominic Team uh, to beat Felix Auger Aliassime. So that's the first sort of shout I've got Felix to reach the quarterfinals. I've got him to beat Yannick Sinner and Diego Schwartzman along the way. And I also have uh, Dominic Team to get past Ugo and Bear. In, in the tournament. So team versus Felix in the, in the second quarterfinal. The third one, I feel like you will probably have this same, the same as me with Andre Rublev versus Daniil Medvedev, a repeat of the uh, a US Open quarterfinal between those two. And yeah, that could be a really good Russian rivalry that we see for, for plenty of years to come. And then in the bottom quarterfinal, possibly my most controversial pick, I've got Kevin Anderson to play Rafael Nadal. I have the big serve in South African to beat Karen Hatchinov and Hubert Herkash um, to make his way to the quarterfinal stage. Use all of that experience um, to, to, keep, to keep going at his age and uh, yeah, make the last stage. Just an added note, I've got Hubert Herkash to knock out Stefanos Tsitsipas in the third round. Um, so yeah, that's how the draw ends up opening it, opening itself up for Kevin Anderson to make the last eight for me. Well, he's got a first round match against Matteo Berrettini, who uh, is the number nine seed and has been looking like he's been in a little bit more form uh, of the last couple of weeks playing uh, in the ATP Cup, I believe. Um, that is that shout has surprised me a lot, to be honest. I've got Kevin Anderson to go out in the first round to Berrettini. Um, that match will be tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I also have uh, a, a big, uh, well, actually a couple of big um, crazy shouts towards the bottom of the draw, though, so I'm not going to get too cocky with stating Marcus's picks because uh, I might have a couple of weird ones. But we'll start from the top. Um, I have the same top quarter final as Marcus Djokovic and Zverev. As Marcus says, though Zverev can be a bit hit and miss at times, I can't really see anyone in his quarter uh, that I can see stopping him. I mean, there's potential that he could face Rusevori if Rusevori does go on that run that I talked about. Um, but I have got Dusan Lajevic to make that, what would that be, the fourth round. Um, yeah, I can't really see anyone stopping Zverev en route to that quarterfinal. Uh, the second quarterfinal, uh, also have Dominic team, uh, but I've got him to face Yannick Sinner. I've got Sinner to uh, win uh, all of his matches on the way, which could be coming uh, under fire. We'll see. He's obviously, as I say, one set all at the moment. He is a game up in that set, uh, in that third set. Uh, but if this match takes a lot out of him, then uh, I do have to admit that Felix is probably, or, or, or Diego Schwartzman is looking quite good to get that quarterfinal space against him. Uh, the next quarterfinal, uh, like you say, I've got the all-Russian affair of Rublev and Medvedev. If this happens, this is the match I definitely do not want to be missing. Um, be really, really interesting. Uh, again, there's not an awful lot of players I can see that are going to stop the two of them. You've got Bautista Agut in Rublev's uh, quarter, who, of course, has got some great Grand Slam uh, performances in his locker. But, um, yeah, all Russian affair, that one. Uh, just a little surprise I have got in that quarter that I will mention now. Uh, I've got Alexei Popyrin to beat David Goffin in the first round, the 13th seed David Goffin. And I've got Popper in to uh, go all the way to the fourth round to face Medvedev. So I've also got him to get past Borna Chorich. So a little bit of a punt there on Popper in. Uh, and then 
so getting on to the last quarterfinal, this is where it all gets a little bit controversial from me. I've got Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, to face Alex Di Uh So this is where I must mention that I have gotten a doubt to go out in the third round to Dan Evans. Uh, not so much that I believe that Dan Evans will beat Nadal, but I've, we've been seeing a lot of injury concerns coming from the Nadal camp. Uh, it could all be talk, to be honest, um, but I don't know. I just have a bit of a feeling uh, that he might end up putting out injured. Um, and with the form that Evans is in at the moment, I don't see anyone else in that little part of the draw other than the Dow, obviously, that's going to stop Evans getting through to that fourth round. Um, although that first round match against Cameron Norrie, if he is feeling the fatigue, could be quite a tough one. But yeah, um, Alex Dimoneur, uh, I've got to the quarterfinal where he will face Stefanis Tsitsipas. So um, yeah, uh, a little bit of a controversial one uh, from me. Uh, if I just continue through the draw, uh, so I've got Tsitsipas, uh, and Medvedev to make the bottom semi-final uh, with Team and Djokovic to have a repeat of last year's final, but in the semi-final. Uh, and then I've got Djokovic and Medvedev to the final and Djokovic to win it. Um, I'd love to go for something a little bit more uh, crazy than Djokovic winning, but um, I can't see past it at the moment. And I do think my Dan Evans to beat Nadal is, uh, is, is crazy enough. Fair play, fair play. That is that is bold. Um, I do like Alex Dimonor as a, as a pick to make the quarterfinal. I think if if Nadal does go out early, you'd have to say he's the most likely to take his place. Um, but yeah, so going down into the semi-finals and the and the and the final and the, and the winner, of course, I have to say I'm I'm on the same hill as you. Um, not very original. Got Djokovic to get past team in the semi-final, although. If that uh, if that match is anywhere near as entertaining entertaining as it was at the ATP Tour Finals, then we're in for a treat. And then I do have uh, Medvedev to beat Nadal similarly to he, as he did at the O2. Maybe I'm using a bit of O2 bias into my Australian Open picks, but then yeah, I, I side with you with Djokovic to beat Daniil Medvedev in the final. Sadly, I just think I can't really justify not going for Djokovic. He, he's won the tournament so many times. And um, even yeah, even battered his way to to the trophy sometimes without even even looking like he, he's been tested. So I'm expecting a strong tournament for Daniil Medvedev to to show that he's still got it after his fantastic end to 2020. But Novak Djokovic has it's got to be the pick for me. Um, my heart says Dominic Team. Um, you know he'll he'll be the player that I'm looking out for the most in, in this tournament. But I can't I can't take myself away from Novak Djokovic and uh, yeah he's going to put the pressure on Nadal and Federer on 20 slams well obviously he won't be on 20 slams but he'll keep increasing the pressure I think he'll be on 19 or 18 if he wins this one Okay um, yeah just one other player that I wanted to ask I don't think I'd seen your draw to see how you got this guy to go um, in fact actually I might I think you might have you may have even mentioned this sorry if you have I've been Focusing on a Sina Shapovalov, but Carlos Alcaraz, the uh, Alcaraz, sorry, uh, the 17-year-old. Uh, I have him to win his first-round match, uh, but then go out to her cash in the second round. I, th- I think. Did you say the same? Yeah, I do. I, I can't quite remember who he's got in in the first round, but it's someone he's decent. Van der Van Van der Sh- 
Vladislav. Well, you've done it again. You forced yeah. me to have to try and pronounce that name. Vladislav Shop. Yeah, no, uh, I think I might have him to win one more game than that. Well, he's got um, her cash in the second round, though. So. Oh, does he? Well, I uh, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so we both are tipping the 17-year-old to get to the second round, but um, definitely would be interesting to watch out for him because it's not often you get someone that young playing a, a men's grand slam and not a juniors. So, um, yeah, that will be uh, one player that I'll be looking forward to watching out for. So that's pretty much it for this uh, podcast. Unless, Marcus, you have anything else you want to say? No, you can wrap it up there. Uh, I'll just say thanks for listening as always and enjoy the tennis. Um, but yeah, no, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm going to enjoy editing this with with the tennis on in the background. So yeah, uh, in, enjoy the first week, guys. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Uh, I'm sorry for those guests, the player fans. Uh, we, we're going to just drop that for the next couple of weeks whilst the... Uh, Grand Slam's going on because we've got a bit more to talk about and we're running out of players, to be honest. Uh, And maybe this tournament might make uh, another name or two, or another clue or two more that we can uh, put in later down the line. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much it from today. As Marcus said, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Enjoy all of the tennis. There's definitely going to be some brilliant matches. And for as long as there's not too many upsets, if it does continue throughout the first few days and it could be that we're going to have some really really uh mouth-watering ties later on in the tournament uh but yeah thank you very much for listening stay safe and see you next time